Hello and welcome to the How Long to Beat podcast in this a new year and also a new century because we, we've just hit 100, baby. I mean, if we can't. If we count the pluses, it's a little bit more than that. As always, I'm Rick, joined by uh, the voice of Alex that you just Hello. heard. I'm also joined by Paula. Hello. Uh, and, oh boy, have we been busy over the holidays. We have mm. lots of completions, a few retirements, and a smattering of currently played games. Um, we're also going to take this opportunity just to look back on 100 episodes and mm-hmm. think about the high points and just the high points, because I don't think there have really been many or any lows. We've had lows, in- yeah. <laughs> Premier well, lost recordings. Years. That might be our oh, lows. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Why would you bring that back up? The irony is, that's probably one of my favorite things we did in the whole... Anyway, we'll, we'll get yeah, to that. We'll, we'll get to that. that. Yeah. We certainly will. And we'll also get to, just at the back end of this episode, um, what I think might actually now be... Oh, no, it's not. We've played a couple of game weeks. Anyway, the latest installment of this round of the new version of How, How Long, Long to, to Beat, beat the, game. the Game. The Game Beat. <laughs> I completely oh, forgot about it. I that was so bad on this one. That was pretty great. Uh, oh, lordy. Oh, we're a little bit out of practice. Right, let, let's peel off the band-aid. Paula, what, what did you think of Pokemon Scarlet? So, actually, this is not a bad game. I was, expect, I was going in expecting fully to just be able to roast it for all the bugs and stuff. And also, I got this as a Christmas present, so I had to, I was obligated to play it and see it to the end. Mm-hmm. And I actually have a lot of fun with it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, shocking, especially after the uh, Sword and Teal um, event. Of, yeah, I, d- I, I don't think know about Alex. I was ready for a big old rant, and I, I feel a little bit deflated. This is a little bit anticlimactic, well, but in a good I, way. Yeah, what I've been hearing, though, about the game is that the game is fun. It's just that the crunch and the technical problems with it really, like, bring down the enjoyment of the experience. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, like being able... Tamahira, who does, like, a bunch of Pokemon stuff, did a good video on this, actually, that I like. She's really good if people enjoy Pokemon. She makes good videos. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, continue, Paula. <laughs> so, the game has, like kind of like three routes that all converge into like one big finale. And I'm not going to talk about like, I'm not, I'm going to try not to go like too deep into each one because spoilers and people will like to experience like everything fresh for this particular game. Um, But you have uh, advertised the Path of the Titans route where you battle like huge Pokemon because uh, story reasons. And then you have the Team Star uh, route that where you have to uh, take down, well, Team Star. And again, uh, there's like some story reasons be- uh, behind the creation of this team and like how they're organized and why they're organized that way. And then you have the, um, the usual uh, Go beat all aging leaders and become the champion, or champion rank trainer, as I say. Because there's like one champion champion that is like La Primera, uh, which is the the best champion rank trainer out there, and the one like in charge of the Pokemon League administration and shit like that. But then you have like all the champion rank trainers that have a uh, beaten all the team leaders, um, 
eating the Elite Four and had a battle with Lab, um, with La Primera. So that's more or less the gist of the story. And I have to say my favorite part of it was the Path of the Titans and the grand finale. I think that was especially well done for Pokemon, for the uh, um, Game Freak. And there were like many moments where they actually did talk at my card screens and have me feel something for once in a Pokemon game, which was kind of refreshing. And oh boy, uh, that was, I'm not going to explain anything, but that, that was the good shit. Like the team star, they try, but it's not like the focal point of the story. Um, the gym, the gym stuff was like just front of the middle Pokemon stuff. So yeah, the one thing that I wasn't like very, um, Keen on were the new Pokemon designs. My team was formed by the grass starter uh, Evolution Mioscarada, plus five Pokemon that weren't from this game because the Pokemon from this game like didn't really move the needle for me in design wise, and sometimes I just couldn't. Like there were many Pokemon that I already liked that also did the job better for my team. And uh, as a composition, like they fit better uh, for what I was trying to go for. Um, come on, there's one mouse Pokemon that there were like two little mouse, and the evolution, like literally, is called Mouse Hold or something like that. And they just added two by me mouse, two by me mice to the to the mix, and it's like that's a Pokemon. Like, come on, we already went through. Um, Diglett being one Diglett thingy and Duck Trio being a tree of Diglets pretty much. We don't have to go through this again. We already we're already being here before. We we've already um, jumped the shark at this point with Pokemon designs though, right? Like that's not that's not a surprise to anybody listening to this podcast. But the ones on Thorn Thorn Chill were actually pretty good. Like the game was shit, but the the, the Pokemon designs were pretty fun. Like Wulu, the the sheep Pokemon. There was that was like my favorite design out of the whole generation, plus the oh. Galarian Ponycha. They were absolutely adorable. And I just didn't get that in my new Pokemon game. The one other thing that they added, like that the gimmick for the generation is and I'm gonna butcher this, terrestrialization, I think. Yeah, terrestrialization. Okay, yeah, um, I was like, I don't know. <laughs> Beats me. <laughs> and the thing is, is that um, there's this phenomenon where you use like this kind of like terrestrial capsule ball thingy to make your Pokemon like change type. And they get like this... Um, crystal-like design with a crown that represents the type of the the new type of the Pokemon. And the thing is, is that the type they change into doesn't have to be the type they had before. Like you usually find Pokemon that can only terrestrialize in the one of one or two types they have. Uh, like my Mioscarada can ter terrestrialize into the grass type and it is a grass dark type. But I found uh, 
an hydreigon that is dark and dragon, and it can terrestrialize into a poison type. So that way you can take advantage of the new type defensively, as for example, hydreigon would usually be quadruple quick to fairy, but it can actually resist fairy with the new poison type. Or if you want to go into a more offensive strategy, all Pokemon can uh, learn a move called Terroblast, where you will take the highest stat between special attack and attack, and it will apply the new uh, their new Terrasta type uh, to the move itself. So for example, I have a Ligand Rock that is usually a rock type, but I could terrestrialize it into a water type and attack with a water type move instead, a physical water type move because its highest attack is physical. Um, so I can see a lot of potential in terms of the competitive scene. Um, it definitely changes things up quite a bit. And let's see if I get into the competitive scene because holy crap, I think last generation with Gigantamax, there was already like a lot of more complexity added to it. But I think like since all Pokemon can terrestrialize and I don't know if they can terrestrialize to any type or they have assigned types to terrestrialize to. Um, you will see a Pokemon and you will have no idea if it will be the type it is right now or if it will change and get your ass. So, uh, so yeah, that's more or less. Oh, and you have the uh, box legendary Pokemon from the start and you can give it like more mobility options uh, with the Path of Legends uh, route which it is very welcome because I don't have to have HM slaves anymore. The only thing that I find kind of stupid is that you cannot uh, use your TMs indefinitely, though they try to patch it up with you being able to battle Pokemon and getting like items from them when you beat them, like in other RPGs, and you use those items to craft uh, TMs. So that's it for Pokemon Scarlet. I want to actually complete the Pokedex of this region. So you mm. may uh, hear more about it uh, next week. And the other thing is that I still have the postgame to go through, which they did a very good um, justification for you to battle the gyms again, uh, but uh, at a higher level. And um, there's still like a part of the map that I haven't been able to explore. And I don't know if that's going to be like future DLC or if it's actual post game. I'm going to incline to this is future DLC because I don't think Pokemon is the, com the Pokemon company or Game Freak are generous enough to give us like a cute, uh, chunky um, post game to go through. 
And they like They're money. ready so, for that. Yeah, they're you. like, come on. We're not releasing three games anymore. We're releasing season passes. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Though I have to say, I didn't find as many bugs and glitches as other people did. I did have some slowdown in some areas. And I did have... Um, oh, one fun thing that happened is that when I was trying to catch a fine type Pokemon or a Pokemon that floats, like there's their model floats, the Pokeball will just stay floating instead of falling to the ground. And the other one was, well, clipping or like visual clipping. And, but it happened less and less as I went through the game. And the world did weird shit whenever I was like at, at the very peak of a rock or mountain. But other than that, I didn't have like the 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 enlarged sprites or like very like um almost uh what's the word for it seizure inducing um events that uh, i saw other people were into mm. about the same so, issues as others yeah yeah or like the pokemon getting like a recoloring for some reason that I saw someone say this Pokemon now has like all the colors of my party because something happened and I don't know what. So after seeing all the nightmares on the internet and on Twitter, I feel like my run was pretty blessed in comparison. <laughs> but well, that's gonna uh, go like from, with, from one person to another. Um, I still, I hate that this game released with so many bugs and glitches because otherwise it would probably be the best Pokemon game that has released in a while. I mean, that's where it comes down to like the main issue, right? With the series at this point, it's just that it's like, we don't, we don't hear as much reporting on it, but like the horrifying amount of crunch has to be happening, right? Like there's yeah. no fucking way this game is coming out without like some, and again, it's just because Japan is so tight knit, right? Like they're very, unlike I find, you know, in the West, at least I, there's just a lot more reporting on, um, you know, game companies and what there seems to be, you know, there's more of this culture of like talking with the reporters and whatnot. But I mean, yeah. if anything we know about Japan, the amount of like, like company loyalty that exists and like closed in, um, nature of a lot of those jobs i just feel like we're not hearing as much but like fuck it, it's a shame because like what you said the game is clearly like much better than the games that have released recently um and yet yeah. it just has that pall over it's a little bit like playing cyberpunk honestly right where you're like that game was great once it was yeah. all fixed up and shit you're like oh it's a great game it's just too bad there's appalling human rights abuses that happen to make it <laughs> exist <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Oh, well. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> With that out of the way, um, the uh, front that didn't happen, uh, I'm going to go with A Castle Full of Cats. But that was like the first game I finished after a long hiatus from completing games. Nice. Um, it's like a house full of cats. You have to go into this castle and just... Click into the kittens that you have you find in the screen and they go from being like ghost vampires and 
other supernatural beings cats to just regular cats and the story is like that uh evil human cursed the castle and all the cats uh within it and they transform into these little monsters and you have to go uh, i forgot the name of the protagonist but you are supposed to play as a calico uh, lady cat which whose name i forgot and you are trying to save Pofinho, which is a cat from the last game, uh, which has been cursed along all these other cats. And you have to find a certain number of cats in each room to unlock this, the next room. And this actually has a final battle where you have to, um, you have to find the four cats on the screen to be able to like, make a dent on the enemy's armor and try to lift the curse and you have a limited type to do so so you have to uh and if you don't it will heal back like one point so you have to inflict like five points of damage with it with the enemy not restoring its health hopefully and in that way, you lift the curse and save all the cats. I wasn't expecting very to the uh, story. I was, <laughs> I was, uh, I. It's like a very light story. It doesn't have like any more dialogue than that. It's just flavor text to make you feel like you're in this grand adventure, which it kind of is. It it was pretty cute. So if you like these kind of games of finding stuff in the background, um, go play Castle of Full of Cats. I got it like for a dollar or less on sale, so it was totally worth it. Another game that I got as a gift, and I already finished this morning, was Assemble with Care. Thanks, Rick. And, mm, you're welcome. And this one I'm is so a very genuine, yeah, this, this is a genuine thank you, Rick, not like uh, in other times. Not like E.T. the extraterrestrial. Thanks, Rick. Yep. <sighs> uh, in this game, you play as Maria, which is a uh, who is a uh, repairs woman, and she's kind of like traveling uh, all over the place and fixing things to make a living. And in this case, she runs it. She gets into this town, which name I forgot. Thank you, memory. Thank you, brain. And um, you have to like manually assemble and disassemble stuff and fix stuff to make it all better. It has a story, and it's a, it is a character-driven one, where the first person you run into is a kid uh, who is the mayor's daughter. And then you have like a storyline between uh, her and her father. And then you have the other storyline, which is a restaurant owner with her sister. And I think the story is very well done. The gameplay definitely serves the story. So the story is first, the gameplay is secondary. Um, not to say the gameplay is bad, but the gameplay is very satisfactory in a weird sense. Like, you are um physically like moving stuff or like uh, disassembling or assembling stuff 
like just like in potion craft where you have to manually like move and grind your ingredients and stuff like that. Um, the game is very charming and I feel the story was very heartwarming in a sense. And the final puzzle that you get in the post game is probably the most um, challenging one of the whole game. Uh, but it was very worth it because it was from the point of view of another character who is like, oh, I saw you fix all these things before, so I'm going to give it a, a try. And she did her best. That's, I'm gonna, that's all I'm going to say. So again, thank you, Rick. I had a lot of fun with this one. Um, yeah, easy recommend to anyone listening. It is a charming sort of couple of hours. It, did you play it on PC? I think you did. Yeah, um, I did play it on PC. You can tell it's designed for mobile, but the PC port is absolutely solid. So wherever you can play it, for sure. Definitely. So why don't you jump into into it, Rick? Yeah, why what not? What do you think about <laughs> like, Harry Rabbit's Kingdom Bubble? Which one of these do I go with first? I've got like five completions. The first one, the first one is probably the simplest because my, my ending takeaway was the same as my takeaway the whole way through, which is mario and rabbit's kingdom battle is fucking brilliant like it's just a really really excellent take on the modern fraxis XCOM formula with rabbits and mario and a great degree of streamlining and tweaking that absolutely has no right to be the 10 out of 10 game that i truly believe it is um i have to say as well over christmas i played the whole co-op campaign um with my little brother as well now quite a campaign is a bit of a stretch it's just a, a list of levels but there is something interesting about playing this game with four characters total, but also not having direct control of two of them because it makes you talk about your strategizing in a very different way. And I actually really enjoyed that component of it. I thought probably wasn't the best idea just to bum rush them all at the end like I did. Would have been smarter maybe to try and pace them out had that option be sort of more readily available. But it's so cool that they throw that extra content in there. Um, there's also like four ultimate levels I did one of them. I spent two hours bashing my head at it until I could finish it. Um, I'm not inclined to try the other three yet, but the plan is, you know, give it a few months, let it all simmer, come back to it, play those levels, and then also play the Donkey Kong DLC. But the, the base game is phenomenal. Like, it's really a, such a good surprise because I didn't expect it to be of the quality that it was. Now, going from a, a, a soaring high on the Switch to a real disappointing low... No. Um, this next game's <laughs> a, li a little bit of a hidden one. Um, it's called Like No Other, The Legend of the Twin Books. Uh, what are the twin books? What is the legend? I don't know. The game doesn't fucking tell you. Um, <laughs> it's, it's Jesus. Baffling. <laughs> it's baffling that this got released in the state that it is. And it's not even that it's necessarily buggy. It's just that they want £15 for 45 minutes of Ugh. tepid half puzzling. Um if there was a strong story, I think I'd be a lot more forgiving because I was expecting there to be a strong story. Their big thing is like, ah, oh, on the on the store page, um, we want to make family-friendly games and story-focused stuff that everyone can sit around the Switch and enjoy. No one can sit around and enjoy this alone or with friends because there's nothing to enjoy. You, you pick up, I'm going to spoil the story to the extent that there is one. Oh, no. You pick up, <laughs> <laughs> cover your ears. You pick up as an old man who's off searching for some treasure. Doesn't tell you it's a book, but it's a good job you read the title because that's what he's looking for. Um, 
so he goes to this abandoned town. Why is it abandoned? We don't know. There's one sassy woman stood outside the, the building that's relevant. You go to that building, you explore that building. It's pitched as a puzzle, but it's not a puzzle. You're just exploring the building. Um, and then you find a note that says, oh, no, the thing I'm looking for is in this museum. It was there the whole time. And then you go to the museum, you enter the museum, you solve one and a half tepid semi-puzzles. There's a guy there who's just like zoned out reading a book and he's like, the thing you'll find is in the back. So, you know, it, a legendary hidden book. Um, and then you pick up the book, you do this Indiana Jones thing where you like swap the book with something similar size and shape. Uh, and then you leave. And that's the game. Okay. <laughs> oh, it was so bad. And I bought it on sale, but I was so insulted that I even paid five pounds for it. Um <sighs> Oh, I went in with like reasonable expectations and they were just dashed from, from start to finish. Awful game. Contender for like the worst game that I've played this year, and it's not even, you know, part way through January. Avoid like the plague is my is my pitch on that. Um, speaking of pitches, this next one is an interesting one in that I downloaded it on a whim for Vita. It's a like a homebrew port. The game is called Hyper Princess Pitch. I didn't realize when I started it, but it's very much a Christmas themed game. Uh, you're a princess who didn't get what she wanted from Santa, and you have now gone on a um, on a Smash TV-esque rampage to kill Santa as revenge for him not getting the present you wanted. Um, it's fine. You know, it, inoffensive. Beat it first try 15, 20 minutes in. It's a fun enough Smash TV I like. Would I recommend going out of your way to play it? Eh, not necessarily. But, you know, something to play on your Vita, which is always a good thing. Um, went back to Switch for completion 4 or 5. This is Fist, forged in Shadow Torch. And it left me with a bit of an interesting dilemma in terms of the, the, the Metroidvania alike, because it's a Metroid of 8.5. Like, I feel that I can just about recommend people play it, even above and beyond some of the sort of best of the genre. And that's not because it's necessarily one of the best of the genre, but I think it does enough unique things to stand out as its own, as its own game. Now, I should preface this. Uh, this is an Unreal Engine 4 game that really, really got trimmed to fit on the Switch, which is where I played it. And in normal gameplay, the, the concessions they made are absolutely fine. Like, it runs at a smooth frame rate. I didn't feel like I was ever particularly hamstrung. Um, but anytime you go into an in-engine cutscene, you can see the the sort of dithering effect that they've used to hide how much texture cutting they've had to do to make this thing work. Um, I think that's a fair trade-off. I definitely enjoyed playing it portably. Um, this is a game that was given away over Christmas by Epic. And I think if you don't mind playing this kind of game at a computer, you're going to have a much prettier experience. And I think that's important because they've put a lot of effort into the world. They describe it as diesel punk. It's an interesting fusion of sort of um, gears and pistons and moving parts. Furry shit, for some reason. Um, and sort of Asian influences, sort of like a, a slightly retrograde version of the world that Blade Runner inhabits. Um, there's lots of neon, beautiful sort of vistas into the background. A surprising variety of scenery as well, um, as you go through the story and you visit various locales. Um, the platforming, great, really good. Maybe a little bit bare bones, but really good. Uh, the combat starts bad, but gets a lot better once you unlock a few upgrades. Um, good length, good map, 
Um, lots of variety, lots of variety in unexpected places, lots of charm. Um, I don't think I've ever felt disengaged by a rabbit fighting a hare because he's sad about the death of his cat friend. Uh, it, it's a whole thing. It was a roller coaster, and I was happy to be there. And I think that speaks volumes as to the quality of what they've done here. Because again, shouldn't really work. Bit of an oddball concept. They're all fighting over a MacGuffin called the Spark, and you know there was this ancient beast war, and there's a lot going on, but it kind of does enough to hold itself together. Um, yeah, Metroidvania eight and a half, I think, is is probably about as succinct as I can put. It. I had a really good time with this one. Um, and it is a recommendation if that stuff sounds cool to you. And I think particularly if you're someone that likes combat in your Metroidvania more than the platforming, because it's not to say the platforming is bad. The platforming is actually quite good, but I think that's the area that it's most obviously weaker than some of its better contemporaries and, and some of its better um, sort of other games within that genre. I've worded that sentence awfully, but I think that that's the point at which the the comparison is the least favorable. But as an overall package, this is really, really good. Um, and then lastly, uh, I played uh, a game I honestly never thought I'd end up playing, Ratchet & Clank All for One, uh, the PS3 sort of co-op Ratchet & Clank spin-off. This game's a good five hours longer than it needed to be. Uh, it, it's very, very stretched out. It's in many respects, sort of dumbed down to be a co-op game. But it kind of has its own qualities. I, I think it, it, it's tricky to judge this as a Ratchet and Clank game in its own right. Like, everyone has a wrench to throw. There are some wacky guns. Mr. Zircon comes back. There's, there's enough staples to make it kind of make sense. But in a lot of ways, this plays so very differently from anything Ratchet and Clank. Uh, the biggest departure, and it was probably a strength and a weakness, um, the game is centered around target prioritization. So when you and a co-op partner, uh, there are two of us playing, but you can have up to four, um, are targeting the same enemy. Um, a, a, a The reticle grows, and once it grows to a certain point, you get an extra effect. So if it's the weapon that fires storm clouds out, that fire out and do sort of damage over time, um, there'll be a big old thunderclap when you, when you get that meter to fill. Uh, when it's the basic combustor, um, it will just do like an extra chunk of damage. Um, if it's the bomb thrower, it will do an extra big explosion and so on and so forth. Uh, great concept. The aiming isn't good because your right stick is a permanent weapon wheel. Uh, that weapon wheel is not well handled either because it's all over sort of three tabs and sometimes depending on whether you're both doing it at the same time or not, sometimes it'll pause the action, sometimes it won't. It can be very, very difficult to get the right weapon you want with the, the degree of immediacy that is sometimes necessary. Um, it is also somewhat unfortunate that the, the, the quick select on the D-pad is very hard to make work. And it didn't seem like there's a way in the options to just say what each one was. You had to sort of do this um, like hand dance of trying to hold the D-pad down and select the right bit on the weapon wheel. But then that swaps around if you switch to that weapon. I ended up not using it because it was so frustrating and inconsistent and unreliable, which is exactly the opposite of what a quick select should be. Nevertheless, there is some quality in the game. It shines through. You can play it single player. I imagine it'd be a miserable experience single player. Um, I had quite a good time playing with it. I think that's only because of the co-op component. Um, I ended up sort of landing on a six out of 10 for this one. And I think that's because 
I didn't want to let the fun of playing a game with a friend sort of um, bump the game up any higher than it really deserved to be. And again, you know, I feel like I'd had my fill uh, maybe just over halfway through the game. Um, it doesn't quite do enough new over that length of time to justify itself. Um, I, I always think as a comparison, it takes two constant new ideas, always something fresh. And that game, if anything, felt like it ended a little bit too quickly at the end. Um, this didn't really have that. Like I say, if anything, it was the opposite. Um, and also it's stranded on the PS3. So unless you have one of those lying around, can't really recommend going back to it. Uh, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's all five of my games. Um, do you guys have anything you want to add on any of those? No, I mean, I'm excited to play the new Mario and rabbits at some point once it goes on sale. Um, already has, it's already like 40% off in the UK. I've seen, I've seen the physical go from 30 pounds down from 50. Yeah. Um, I'm in no rush. I've I've, I've paid a tenner, including DLC for kingdom battle. Um, I'm looking at front mission and Disgaea and Tactics Ogre Reborn all sat on my desk, all waiting to be played. I can't buy another Rabbids game yet. I just can't do it. So, yeah. Um, I mean, that's totally fair. (laughs) Yeah, there's no way. Um, Right, enough of me complaining about my backlog. Alex, you've got two completions, and I'm excited to hear about them both. Yeah, I got two very fun ones. Um, I'll start sort of backwards, maybe, because I think you played Severed Steel, right? I did not too long ago, and it is yes. interesting to see you play that. I, I wanted to prompt it, but I didn't necessarily want to sort that's, of mess that's, up your flow. That's why, no, that's why I did play that one, because I was like, oh, I remember he mentioned this, and it was a freebie in Epic, and so freebie I was like, Epic. yeah, I remember that you liked it, and I was like, oh, I want to try it out, and it's <laughs> really fucking good. <laughs> like, it's just, mm. it's a very good game, though I'm going to say this right now. Not a good game to play high. <laughs> like, straight up. One oh. night, I was playing, and I was waiting to see when it would kick in, and then at one point, I was like, I literally have no idea what I'm supposed to be doing right now. <laughs> Your was just, poor brain. That is not the I combo. I was so confused. Because um, for those who like don't quite know what this game's all about, like it's essentially, I don't know, like it's kind of neon whitey-ish in terms of the fact that it's all about speed, but it's completely different because it's open-ended. So actually, you know what? Maybe that's a good way of looking at it. It's like where neon white is about finding an optimal route through something, um this one is all about like making your own optimal route through something um because okay. yeah because you could you get this fucking cannon that blows holes through walls um and it's all about just like it's it's like i don't know it's like playing like a john woo movie you're just like supposed to be jumping and going because when you jump through the air you uh um you can't get hit basically you're like invulnerable as long as you're doing doing some kind of stuff. And then you could slow time down while you're doing it, which you need to do. (laughs) Um, Now I think, cause I think the times, so like, I'm sure, I'm sure there's like this, you know, like a meta or like whatever of like people who actually speed run it where it's like, cause I think your time still like clicks up when you go in slow-mo. So I'm sure there's like an emphasis of like, you use slow-mo if you need to, but like, if you want to get really good, you just have to be like expert at just going around without doing slow-mo and stuff. Um, but to be real with y'all, I did not play this on a difficult, on a high difficulty. I think I played it on its easier, easiest difficulty, maybe, maybe the second easy. I don't know. I, I was like, I don't, I'm not interested in having a really challenging time. I just want to go wee and shoot things. And that was super fun doing that. Um, it's really good. It's quite short. Um, I beat it in a few hours, like, like maybe three sittings, I think. Um, Same. Yeah. Nice anyway. 
And if you got this in the Epic like freebie, I like this is one that, and that's actually one of the reasons why I played it because I was like, oh, it's really fast. So I'm like, okay, let's let's like pound this one out. And uh, I, I'm really glad I did. It's probably like a solid nine out of ten for me. Um, there are like a few little things that sort of um, like bothered me a little bit, um, just in terms of some of the um, um, like at times it's it's almost too frenetic at a few points in terms of like when I'm doing my stunts and stuff. Like sometimes I feel like I am jumping or I am like, you know, I am leaping or I'm sliding and yet I'm still getting shot. So I'm like, what am I doing wrong? Um, so I'm sure it was a me problem, but it, again, sometimes it's not always super clear. Um, but overall, hell of a good game. Paolo, this would make you fucking vomit everywhere. <laughs> this is like, mm-hmm. if... Yeah. Yeah, if anyone has even the slightest bit of motion sickness, worst game for you to play. This is like a crazy game. Uh, yeah. Mirror's Edge on a Microdose Neon Coke. Might instead. Yeah. yeah like, <laughs> Mirror's Edge on Coke. I think it probably speaks to, I think what you mentioned there about like we are just going to blast out. I think that's probably ironic, but also the biggest difference between this and Neon White. Neon White does make you care about the time. Yeah. Whereas um, it's almost more the flow state and the moment to moment in severed steel and you know neon yeah. white's definitely a better game but it's not that much in it yeah exactly right because this like yeah like this game is more about that flow state i think like neon white also puts you into it but it is more about like it's, it's just quicker bursts um whereas this one is like the music was great like you're like yeah like you're pounded through and going it's like it's you know what it's kind of john wicky-ish like it feels like it has that inspiration right like those nightclub scenes of john wick with the the music is going through all like like that sort of there's like Mm. a new genre of like the matrix was one thing that inspired games for a long time and now it's more like moving into like the action of kind of the john wick movies this really quick propelled action of like taking people down and going through stuff in these kind of calculated ways which is a trend that i love i'm happy if more games keep doing this because it's very fun (laughs) it's like pistol whip the vr game it's the same thing like this game is actually really similar to that in a lot of ways do you know what it actually is pistol whip's great it's fantastic i made me i want to go play some after this actually i love that game (laughs) (laughs) um so anyway yeah that was severed steel the other one that i played is also phenomenal so I played Marvel Spider-Man Miles Morales, the stupidest freaking name. MSMMM. <laughs> it's like, goddamn. It's such a long title. Anyway, um, I actually like maybe enjoyed this more than the Spider-Man game, um, only because it's tighter. It's just more focused and it's shorter. And honestly, that's kind of what I wanted. <laughs> you know, like it's like a 14, 15 hour experience. Wait, how many hours did I spend? I think I spent 15 and a half hours playing the game which to me is like, that's my Goldilocks zone for a game. Both games are, as far as I'm concerned, the greatest superhero games ever made. Nothing even comes close to these two um, yet. I can't think of anything that comes close to them. Guardians, maybe. Guardians is probably close, Um, but they're very different games. But other than that, it's like this stands way, way up there on the podium. Um, This one follows Miles Morales. It clearly, I, I feel like it was probably started as an expansion, but then they realized like, fuck, this is a whole game. And it is a whole game. So they just kind of made it their own thing. I 100%ed it because I absolutely loved it. Um, it's funny. For a long time, I was like, oh, I guess I'll wait for a PS5, right? And I'll go play these games. But then it was super on sale on PC and my fucking laptop ran it at like max settings and it looked fucking gorgeous. Like I was like, and honestly, on the little screen, like this nice refresh screen with the V-Sync on it, like it was beautiful. Um, 
and I was up close to it. So I was like, it's kind of comparative to when I play on my big TV because I'm so close to the action. Um, and it was just, it's really fucking fun. Um, the story is good. It's not maybe the greatest story in the world, but I think they've, I think Miles is super compelling and they've made a really strong character out of him in this. Um, it's fascinating because Miles went from being this like, virtually unknown spider-man right like i remember reading his comics back in the day with the ultimate spider-man run um and it was fun to into the spider-verse coming and now he is like maybe the like one of the most popular spider-man right like he is like huge now and so it's interesting because in this game it's like i actually ended up you can unlock the spider-verse suit at one point which is also also they did the dopest fucking thing on the planet with this so when you get the Spider-Verse suit, they give you a, because you have like your your Spider-Man suits have um, different like powers that you can like equip them on, like suit mods, basically. So they give okay. you a mod that says enter the Spider-Verse. And when you put it on, they've done it so that your miles will actually run at the frame rate of Spider-Verse. So he looks like he's the comic book version of him and the frame rate's different and it's so cool. Like I didn't do it for Similar a lot, to what they did in the main game. I feel like there was one of those in the main game as well. Yeah. Something like that. It was so, it's so fucking cool. Like you're like, holy shit, it, this actually looks like Into the Spider-Verse. Now, obviously you don't want to keep it on for too long because the reality is like the graphical style that they've created is really, it's, it's, it's nice, but it doesn't fit into that world, right? In cutscenes, you look a little weird. But I just, what you could, but what's really smart about this is that if you just take the mod off, you're now just wearing the Spider-Verse suit, which is easily the best suit. Because um, it's fucking dope looking. The fucking spray painted logo and everything. It looks awesome. And it'll have a slight comic book sheen on it, but like it, it fits in perfectly. So yeah, although I will say this. The new Peter Parker is fucking bullshit. <laughs> I still am so angry that they changed the model. They changed the model from the original one. I forgot about that. He it's looks... a different guy and a different voice in the whole thing. Yeah. Well, the thing is, it's it's the it's the original guy. The voice is the same. And it's the guy who did the voice, the motion capture. So what they've done is essentially they've like replaced it with the actual dude's face. But he looks like a child. And it doesn't look like it fits anymore. The original one looks so much better. And I, I'm sorry. It looked so much better. It just did. He looks kind of washed out in this one. I didn't like it. I didn't like it. <laughs> um, but I'm excited for the next one with Venom. That's going to be pretty cool. Um, so, and they, they tease that in this one as well. Um, yeah, it's, and actually, you know what's really neat about this one that I liked? Um, you know, it's an open world game, right? So there's all these collectible shit that you can do. But all of the collectibles when you get them, it leads to a side quest and it leads to like some kind of story resolution, um, which was actually really nice. So like to do all the side quests, you just get the collectibles, but the collectibles were also quite fun to get and they all have little, you know, information and they give you tangible unlocks for the game. So I was like, you know, it, it actually reminded me a lot of Shadow of Mordor's open world in a way where it felt very like it's tight, but really fun. And also, the, it's Spider-Man, right? The traversal is just so good. It's so, so good. It's so smooth. And so I used fast travel a little bit. But most of the time, I'm just like, let's fucking swing through the streets, my dudes, because it's just really fun. And uh, Miles plays differently enough from Peter to really feel like a, a new thing, because Miles has that camouflage ability, right? Where he can um, just completely camouflage himself. Um, and that's something that Peter doesn't have. And so... 
when it comes to stealth, it's actually Miles is more stealthy than Peter is, um, which I think is quite fun because you can cloak yourself and like jump in on a guy and like bash him in and then just zip back up to the ceiling and disappear. And uh, yeah, I thought it was really cool. And they do a fun thing where I actually really prefer this. You know how like Batman has like detective vision? Well, like I think they were really smart and were just like, you know what? No, no, no. You're just going to hit a button. It'll highlight everybody. Look at them when you're in stealth and you'll highlight all the characters and then they're just going to be highlighted and you'll have your normal vision. So you don't have to play the game in a disgusting, gross filter for the whole time. Um, so anyway, I, I highly, highly recommend this. Recommend it on PC as well because it's, it's fantastic on PC. And I just like, I had so much fun with the game um, and 100% of it and cutscenes are beautiful. Everything's great. If you're worried that it's going to just be a retread of Marvel Spider-Man, it's not. Um, though I would say like, yeah, maybe give yourself a bit of a break between them if you're going to play them like kind of back to back. It does a really nice recap of Marvel Spider-Man. So I was kind of happy to sort of play it now. Um, and it advances Miles' story in a really great way. And also... It's a perfect time of year to play it because it's set around Christmas. So it was all wintry there. And I was just like, oh, it's a Christmas game. Um, and Peter is gone for like two weeks, basically. He's on vacation. So Miles is the only Spider-Man. And that's it's all kind of about him becoming a Spider-Man, right? Um, so, yeah. Good game. That's all I got on that one. Have any, either of you played the Marvel Spider-Man? The main one, and... yes. Morales, no. Um, it... <laughs> I very much had my fill on Spider-Man for the time being when I played the main ones and all the DLC, which were kind of just more of the main game. Yeah, um, It's one I plan to get back to eventually, but it's like pretty low priority. Yeah, I hadn't bought myself a game since the summer, so I was like, fuck it, let's, let's get one for Christmas. <laughs> hmm. Have you played it, Pound? No, I haven't. I have watched my boyfriend playing it, oh. but I couldn't, I don't think I can play it for very long if I do happen to play it because the webcam makes me dizzy. Right, that's fair. Yeah. It's pretty wild web slinging too. It, it, they make it, they make you feel fast. <laughs> um, well, why don't we? Move it too fast. <laughs> yeah, why don't we move on to retirements then? Um, uh, yeah, I don't know who wants to jump in. Uh, why don't you roll on through? Because I'm interested sure. in that one. Or actually, yes, actually, yeah, yeah, cool. why not? Yeah, so I retired Halo Infinite. Um, because. This game is is cowardly. I would I I'd say actually in terms of its the way that they've made it and and the reason I say that is because they created an open world Halo, and the open world Halo elements are very fun. It's actually quite enjoyable. Like they have that hookshot shit. Fuck that thing's great. Um, zipping all over the place. You you can unlock vehicles as you like unlock like forward operating bases and stuff in it. That's super fucking fun. It's really fun, like blasting through it. It feels like back in the day of like having the forge, like when I would play with my buddies and we would just like go on the sand level with the giant thing in the middle and we would just have a bunch of vehicles and we'd go fuck shit up and just have a good time. That's what it feels like in the main campaign. And that's awesome. Um, and I really love that. I had a great time. Then you have to play the fucking missions, which are like, hey, why don't we go inside some fucking bland ass bullshit, you know, alien ruined shit which is such a thing in halo that i fucking hate and it's so boring um and so it's just run through room after room kill the guys kill the guys whatever and i'm at escarim right now which is like this boss and i just don't give a shit like i'm about to beat him but i was like in the middle of it and i'm like i don't care i don't want to do this anymore like i just liked the open world stuff this part fucking sucks and also 
I don't understand the fucking story in Halo. And I've played them all multiple times. It's like something, something Spartans. He killed some aliens and then the war was over, but I guess it's not fucking over now. And what the fuck is with their obsession with Cortana? Like this fucking AI. Master Chief needs to get a life. (laughs) Honest to God. He's like, and I get it because like, and the, the worst part is that like Halo has such a fascinating story because he's basically an abused child, right? Who's been like forced to become this super soldier. And it's like they never decide to look into that. Like, let's never, ever do anything interesting with that story. Let's instead just make him be obsessed with an AI, which, like, you could argue is because of his, like, abuse or his trauma or whatever, right? Like, the fact that he does has never really made any friends and all he do is wants to fight. But they never do anything with that. It's just Cortana and him all the time. And, like, in this one, again, you're, like, chasing after rogue Cortana, I guess, with, like, a new copy of Cortana. Oh, my my eyes like roll back into the back of my fucking head because I'm just like, I don't care. And we're on a Halo again. What even is this? Like, what do these things even fucking do? Didn't they release the flood? But I guess these ones don't release those. So what the fuck is going on? Ah, Jesus Christ. Anyway, I, I fucking, this series has jumped sharks so long ago. And the fact that they got rid of the couch co-op and it's just not a thing now. I was like, fuck you guys. I'm like, God damn it. Like, that's like the one fun thing. They didn't have it in Halo 5 and now they don't have it in this. And so I'm just like, what, what even is going on anymore? So I don't know. I was deeply, I'm I'm very mixed on this. This is, you know, my classic um, play it, but don't complete it. That's what this is. I would recommend playing this game and playing through all the open world stuff. And then when it starts to force you into the just like mission, mission, mission shit, just quit. Just stop because it's not fun anymore. You're just going to be going like, all right, let's just push up here and shoot all the guys and push up here and shoot all the guys. Like, it's just repeat, rinse and repeat for the rest of it. And then they throw like a bunch of just kind of bullshit, like tough enemies at you, right? You know, where like the difficulty just pops up, but you're like, it's not that much more difficult. It just means that I have to manage shit a little more. Um, do you know what I mean? How like there's a difference between something being hard and versus relentless and like, this is what it feels like where it's like I got to a point in the game where it just feels relentless and like, yeah, I'll probably die a fair bit, but it it doesn't feel like I'm dying because it's like really hard to get through. It feels more like I'm dying just because there's so much shit going on that like I have to like, I just have to be more like, I kind of had to hide more, honestly. It's like not that as fun because like the fun of Halo is like running in like ah, fucking shit up and blowing shit and shooting around, right? Like it's not as fun to be like, all right, I guess now I have to throw up my shield, sit here, camp out for a few minutes and pop off a few targets and then I can go have fun. You know what I mean? Like it's just, that's not as enjoyable to me. It's more fun to be hook shotting into a dude, beating him in the face or like having an interesting way of approaching a level versus in this one, there's not that much interesting. It's like, I'm just in a tunnel. So I don't know. That's my feelings on it. Again, I recommend trying it at least for the first bit, because I actually think, and this is why I say it's sort of cowardly because I think they just stuck to it being a fully open world game um, and not like shoehorned you into these like really specific mission uh, things. It would be like super, super good. I would put this game at like a seven maybe right now. Um, And had they, but like the open world experience was like fucking full on nine for me. It was so much fun. And that's unusual because I'm not as big of an open world fan, but they really nailed it when they were doing that. I mean, it's worth saying that this game had a pretty troubled development to put it mildly. (laughs) Uh, My pet theory, and I expect the pet theory of many people is that actually they did intend this to be a fully open world sort of take on Halo. And then they needed to fucking ship something. 
So yeah. they decided, like, we just need a few missions. We need a campaign. Yeah. See, and, and you know, I, I think that's where it's at. Yeah. If this ends up being the Pokemon Sword to Pokemon Scarlet uh, sort of thing, <laughs> I will be fine with that. Like, if this is the 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 if this you is want it boogier. Pains, you want Craig two point I don't give a fuck. Uh, but if it's if it's like in terms of gameplay design, you know what I mean. Uh, I didn't find this game. This game wasn't buggy at all, though. It was. It actually ran really, really nicely. Um, but okay. um, I don't know if this one had any issues with that. I think it's more the issue is just probably the crunch and shit that they had to deal with. I'm sure. Um, but uh, if they could lean more into that open worldness in the next Halo, I'll be very happy. But this one, it feels like an experiment um, where, like you said, they just didn't commit enough, um, which leaves kind of a sour taste in your mouth when you're playing you know you're just like i can tell you were close um it's also the issue with halo right where like halo is a multiplayer game but also like it has such a history of strong campaigns right um and so there is a split player base like i remember i tried some of the multiplayer in this and it was super fucking fun it was great um but i don't give a fuck about multiplayer because i don't have the time for that anyway that's me so one of you two take it away uh, i pala jump on in i want to i want to know what what caused you to see the light well i just got tired of guardian tales because of all the repetitive stuff that i have to go through like daily and also i wasn't like really making a lot of progress in the story and the story and the story just kind of fell flat to me like mm. in the last chapter so it was like you know what this game is still like it, it worst of all it's still like on development so even if i catch up to the story i'll just have to wait for a story to be released and that's not the kind of experience that i like out of my games i like to have my story completed at the at release date and be able to play like from start to finish on all this the other things that i really didn't care about the remaining characters uh, of the game i just got the one character that I, that I really like so i have like one less thing to look forward to like when i was trying to farm all the items so i didn't have anything to farm towards so all the grinding just felt like more grindy than usual so it was just like okay i i, I can see why people like it but this is not my game like at all like after i don't know how many hours i played I just had to go with, um, I'm done with this. I got my feel. That That's the end of it. Like, Well, sometimes that's all that I matters, right? You just got to get your fill. Get yours. Yeah, and I actually <laughs> have time to, to, I actually now have the time to play other games. It's like, okay, this was like the one game I played on those like five to 10 minutes that I have between stuff. And why would I continue playing it if I do have time now to play other stuff? So, hmm. yeah, that's hmm. pretty much it. And and it's worth saying that the first of my two completions was probably, in a way, or first of my two retirement. retirements, I should say, rather. Yep, that's the one. <laughs> um, it's probably very similar to sort of the, the rationale that you had there, Paolo, this specifically being Tokyo Jungle. Um, I felt like I I played one big good survival run and I'd kind of seen it all. Um, that might be wrong. It's prohibitively time consuming to find out. I my single biggest bugger, and I certainly I brought this book. I brought this up last time we spoke about the game. Um, is that 
the campaign progress is contingent on you playing rounds of the endless mode. And I actually think that progression in those two should be entirely separate, really. Or certainly the other way around, where completing the story unlocks things for endless. Um, I found myself in a situation where I played, you know, chapter one of the campaign, which is playing some sort of um, mission-based bits of the Pomeranian. And then it's like, cool, go play the endless bit somewhere, I guess. It's like, yeah, I, I don't really want to do that. Like, I'd like to experience this game's story, find out, you know, a bit more about the world and what's going on. And, you know, maybe when I feel like it, I'll go and play some more of the endless. And nah, you don't get any more story. Play some endless first. <laughs> so I I decided to put time on it. I may yet go and play the, the PS mobile version of Tokyo Jungle because it's grid-based and it looks very interesting. And I've moved heaven and earth to make the thing function. So so help me, I will be giving it a try. Um, but I'm I'm done with the PS3 version, I think, um, until and unless I find a way around that progression blocker. Um, the other retirement is a little phone game called Zenga, I want to call it. It's like a sort of Tangram, sort of story, sort of puzzly thing. This is the latest installment of Rick doesn't finish puzzle games. So I got about halfway through and I was like, eh. <laughs> so by no means a bad game, by no means a good game, very meh game in my view, and not one I particularly wanted to give any more time to. Um, and speaking of not giving things any more time, let's not give any more time to our retirements. Let's focus on what we've been playing mm-hmm. since we spoke last. Um, why don't you... Tell us a bit more about what you're playing, Paola. That looks like the, the shortest list. <laughs> That's my only criteria. <laughs> yeah, to be honest. Um, uh, again, I'm trying to go through, uh, for Pokédex completion and Pokémon Starlight, and I may go into competitive, so I have that tag in there. I currently have, uh, I think, 240 out of the 400 Pokémon on the game, uh, which is very nice. And I have to start trading for the um, Pokemon Violet exclusives, which still, Pokemon, why can't you just make fun the one game or have all the Pokemon? Oh, yeah, you have to sell more or make more money and stuff like that. Anyway, um, hope, uh, thankfully, my boyfriend has Pokemon Violet and I am on a Pokemon community at my university, so I have access to people that has been playing Pokemon Violet and has all the exclusives already, so I'm gonna go trade with them. The other game that I've been playing um, ever since last year is Potion Craft Alchemy Simulator. I am on the final chapter of the game, chapter 10, and I was wrong. The last thing you have to grab is not the Philosopher's Stone, which by the way is a thing that I'm crafting now. Um, it is the I guess philosopher's salt, which is a compound that you get out of the philosopher's stone and a lot of other potions that you have to make along the way. Um, it's getting a little bit tiring. Like I had to stop playing like for a couple of for a week, maybe yeah, for a week while I was displaying Pokemon Scarlet. Uh, mainly because the formula <laughs> you get what is. You get what I did there. Um, it gets a little bit tiring, and I did get what you did um, there. <laughs> yeah, Alex was just shaking his head and was unimpressed. I'm... Same face. <laughs> yeah, 
and um well um i don't know if i said this before but as you go through the chapters you get more um ingredients to to purchase and you also um get different clients uh will that will ask more of you like oh yeah i need this potion but i need it to be done with this special ingredient because it's my favorite ingredient ever and also yes please um you shouldn't use more than two ingredients for this even though you probably have to use three so those clients i say goodbye to uh they are mad but over the each day each in-game day i'll make up enough points for that little blunder to not matter anymore. Uh, I think I unlocked all the potions that you can make, like all the different effects that you can make a potion out of. And my poor um, recipe book has more types on it that, than any like Crimson Rope book ever. And I think that just flew over your heads, but I'm not gonna explain it because <laughs> that, that would continue that would take a little bit too long. And yeah, it's been fun. It's getting a little bit tiring. I don't know if I'll complete it or retire it, but so find more about it next week. Mm. Um Alex, go ahead. Sure. So I've been playing a fair bit of stuff although some things don't have a lot of progress like citizen sleeper um i haven't really touched much it's next up on my list because i was playing some pc and sleeping games. on it <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> mm. sleeping on a little bit pokemon five uh pokemon persona five strikers uh i've played a bit more it's just when i was on vacation i obviously wasn't using transit much so i haven't done it uh played it as much but i'm sure i'm going to be doing a whole bunch more soon um it's still really fun mm. um it's just it's just a solid game, you know. There's all there is to it. I am curious to see if I'm going to actually fully finish it because I don't know if I'm going to start to get if it's going to start to feel repetitive, um, which I think it might um, because some of the jails you're going through. But we'll see. Um, I picked Pokemon Prison back up actually. Um, the Game Boy Color kind of um, hack game. This game is really really good. Like it's just um, I don't know. It, it's it's sort of the classic Pokemon um, styling where like you really have to consider your, your team makeup um, and it's quite challenging like each, but not overly challenging, just like a, an appropriate amount, I would say. And it really forces you to like carefully go through um, your um, each area, um, make sure that you have like a really like well-balanced team um, you have to frequently make sure that you're like healing yourself up, have enough stuff with you. Like it just feels like, um, an appropriately challenging game with, of course, completely new areas. And like, I had to pull up, there's like a good walkthrough cause I was like, shit, where am I in this game? And then I found out that I'm more than halfway through the game. So I'm actually coming near, um, nearish sort of end part, because I think like, I don't have that many badges. There's a lot of badges, but what, from what I understand, it's a little bit, I think, like the second game, like Gold, Silver, and Crystal, where like after you get a certain amount, you then go through and get a whole bunch of others, but it's way quicker, right? Um, because this game comes after Pokemon Brown, I think. It's like the continuation sort of deal. 
um, of that game. Um, and so, yeah, I, I really, really, really recommend this one. It's also super fun to be playing it on the original hardware, right? Like you just feel like you've pulled this game out of time. Um, and so I'm happy to be back at it again. This is actually one of those few retirements that did come back. <laughs> hmm. um, it does happen from time to time. It does, right? Um, and then the other game that I've been playing is uh, my partner and I started playing Gears of War Ultimate Edition because uh, she wanted to play some games with me again and talked about playing through Halo. But I was like, you know what? Why don't we try a different series that I that I like actually, I think I played Gears of War maybe way back in the day, but I never beat it. So this is actually kind of new for me and I haven't played the Ultimate Edition. So far, it's quite fun to play together. Um, I think the third person perspective, like she's, it, I'm really glad we're actually playing this one because it's a whole new style of game, but her skills from Halo have transferred over. Like she's already much better at aiming. And like, and what's really neat actually about Gears of War co-op is that each person gets to select their difficulty. So I'm on normal and then she's on the casual one. Um, which actually makes it feel more balanced because I have to shoot the enemies a lot more than she does. But with like the way that Jumanji misses, it actually balances it out better so that she seems to be more on par with how I'm performing. Um, so difficulty is like a damage multiplier then? I think it is, yeah. And I think it's also like ah. how aggressive the enemy is going to go at the uh, the co-op player or like how many shots. Right, so it's like an damage. aggro modifier as well. I think, I don't, I don't I mean, know how it works. That's an interesting approach yeah. if, if so, yeah. Yeah, I really don't know yeah. how it works, but um, I'm my assumption is that it's like what you're saying where it's like you receive less damage from them and you give more damage. Like that's what I'm assuming the must be some of the adjustments to the difficulty. Um because they're certainly coming at me and I'm getting hit a lot. And so like, it's interesting because we will actually die sort of similar amounts now um, because again, I'm just playing at a slightly higher difficulty. So yeah, I thought that was really interesting. One problem though that I ran into, this game fucking crashed hard on me at one section. So there's like this first part where you have to fight this berserker and um, it's just like crazy character that's like, ah, coming at you. And you use this um, thing called like the hammer of dawn or something um and it's like a set anyway it's like it's like you have to like you know focus a beam on this thing and then like satellites drop you know fucking bombs on someone but it would just stop it would freeze and i had to redo this like five times before it would actually go through uh and work and i don't know what's going on i think this game is pretty buggy like even like looking up online it sounds like it's had some issues so that was really, really disappointing. Um, that being said, we got through it and we kept playing and it's fine. We're in like the second act of the game, but it, it didn't bode super well. It, it looks very good, right? Because this is a remaster or I no, I would actually call this a remake because it's very, looks much better than the, the Xbox 360 game, which, is, you know, they did well, obviously at the time, but let's be honest, that's an old game now. Um, it's still clearly from the shit brown era of games though, <laughs> where you know the whole fucking everything is one color brown <laughs> you're just palette like, what palette exactly right <laughs> palette is earth tones <laughs> <laughs> and everybody is like like just these giant like me man me a man me go break things <laughs> and you're like oh my god i'm looking forward to playing through we're gonna play through the series together i think slowly and i look forward to when the lady character shows up and the her proportions look much more natural <laughs> than these dudes. <laughs> they have no necks. They're just like they're just like heads. 
Um, it's like, you know, fucking, uh, what's that dude in X-Men? You know, the guy who, uh, it's, uh, who, what's Colossus, the big metal guy. No, not Colossus. Um, the other guy, remember he has that meme where he like runs through all the walls. Um, oh, Juggernaut. Juggernaut. Yes, that's it. That's it, Juggernaut. It looks like... played by Vinnie Jones in the 2000 movies. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, right. Yeah, that's... Because what does he say? What is I'm that? a Juggernaut, bitch. I'm Juggernaut, bitch. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Colin, you've clearly not seen this, have you? <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, I man. haven't. That was from oh, the last stand. You could stand, give me a million it? guesses to how episode 100 would have gone and this would not have been a part of them. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny that's what we should call this episode oh, it's 100 episodes oh god it was so like they look like him though i you just know need I mean? a moment yeah. i just need a minute <laughs> oh that's good uh, while, while we're recovering i'll find a clip for you paula yeah please do <laughs> um anyway it's it's super silly game but i i genuinely like I've had a pretty good time with it and uh, I'm looking forward to playing through the series because they definitely have spectacle to it. And um, really, I think the gaming world owes a shit ton to Gears of War for the cover system and it's like the the, the sort of third person dynamics because I got to say, they nailed it at the first go. You know what I mean? Like, it's like one of those things where you're just like, the cover system in this game is better than most cover systems that I've played even since. I don't know what wizardry they pulled, but I rarely can't get into cover. I can get out of cover quite easily. I'm like, I, I, they did a great job. I don't know. <laughs> and then some of that might be the remaster sort of stuff. Like maybe, you know, maybe they tweak some things, but it's it's really well done. And you can see where like Mass Effect gets all of, gets its ideas, right? Like, I mean, maybe not so much the first game. The first game does have cover mechanics, obviously, and it uses that. But the later games, in particular, really um, like went hard into the cover mechanics, and it sort of dictates to me like a different era of gaming, you know, where like where this sort of cover third person shooters were like really bigger in that like the late aughts. Um, uh, yeah yeah anyway good game um rick what are you playing you're playing not quite as much but a number of things i'm playing lots and lots of stuff to be fair um <laughs> so i think five games again in total uh, yeah, i guess for your sick- your historical uh plays sometimes you have like 10 <laughs> yeah and, and to be fair at the moment and we'll probably start with this one actually the the sort of ongoing i swear to god i am still playing this is twofold First of those is Valkyrie Profile Lenneth. Mm. Um, I want to love this game. There's certain aspects of this game I do love. It's so old. Mm. It shows its age. Like Every old game I play now, since I played Super Metroid, is sort of framed by the question, does this hold up? Because I've experienced a game that absolutely can and did and does from like the early 90s and this is like a a late 90s game and its menus kind of chug and the design isn't really made with people friendliness and usability in mind and you know again that's partly a product of its time but it didn't have to be that way Mm. um at the moment i'm kind of battling through it i don't know if i will continue to battle through it we will see 
The second one is FF7 Remake, and that's, you know, no criticism of that game. It's just a case of I'm not getting a lot of time just to sit down in front of my TV and play PS4 um, just because of, sort of the way my life is right now and things that I've got going on. It, I'm not getting a lot of TV time um, where it's just me and the controller. So that's where that is. Um, when I've played it, it's nine and a half out of ten so far. Like, I, I really am enjoying it in spite of, you know, you can see a lot of the invisible walls proverbially like you can tell that you're being channeled in certain directions and there is a um a minor frustration to that but the gameplay itself is great um it looks phenomenal for a ps4 game and uh, i am really interested to see where they take um the the divergences in story um citizen sleeper i've played a fair bit more of Big fan of this game. Really, really enjoying it. Um, the art is fantastic. Um, the story has opened up way more quickly than I expected it would. There's lots of different threads in lots of different directions. I get the sense it's a kind of story that you can't do everything in one run, which I'm totally cool with. I, I actually think that really works well for a game like this, which is ultimately like a visual novel crossed with a resource management sim. Like, you get so many dice a day. There are far too many people that want your time and your efforts and your whatever else. And you have to pick your battles. And I think this game does a really good job of um, minimizing the amount of decisions you have to make and maximizing their importance to you and the story that it's telling. Um, really, really good. My only sort of slight negative is that I wish I could play it portably more. Um, the Xbox Cloud Gaming version of it works really well, but the text isn't sized appropriately. It's not the most comfortable experience. Um, I expect trying to play it on Switch would have been very, very similar, um, but it is really a game that you sort of have to sit down in front of a big monitor for. Um, that's certainly been my experience of it. Um, two new games, both Switch games. Um, first of those is Voice of Cards, uh, The Isle Dragon Roars. So this is the first of three Yoko Taro-helmed, card-based traditional RPGs. And it is a traditional RPG. There's actually not that much so far that, that is unique apart from the visuals and the aesthetic. And the fact that, and this sounds trite to say, but it is important, everything is cards. <laughs> the world map you navigate. It, it sounds stupid, right? Voice of cards, yeah, sure. But like, I can't emphasize enough all of it. All cards, menu options, cards, character portraits, cards, um, world tiles, cards, items in your inventory, cards. It's all cards. It's cards all the way down. <laughs> always has been. Um, it, it's good, though. It, the RPG underlying seems really strong. Um, I had a blast with the demo, and it went on like a pretty healthy sale over Christmas, so I jumped on it. I'm only maybe half an hour in, so still early doors, but I like um something it does that crimson shroud did quite similarly as well which is sort of channel the narrator so the narrator is a very specific character there's a, a degree of fourth wall breaking in the fact that he's like i'm here i'm important i'm telling you how this story goes um wouldn't recommend you turning the audio off but subtitles are there it's like oh yeah okay um which is pretty cool and um what little i've played of the combat strong me likey um yeah, watch this space. And then yeah. the second one, 
Oh, sorry, go on. Oh, I was just going to say, I, I was actually like, I'm pretty, I've been looking at this one for a while because you know me, me like cards. So like I've seen it and it's been on my radar. So I'll be interested to see how it holds up for you. Yeah. And I, I think Yoko Taro being involved is a big part. Um, the art is beautiful. Another big part. Um, and yeah, it was 40% off over Christmas. It's not a game that's often been on sale and it was like the biggest sale it had ever had. Um, and it, it's one I've been keeping an eye on for a while again, having played and really enjoyed the demo. So, um, I decided to take the plunge and yeah, we'll see how it goes. It doesn't seem massively long as well. Um, cute little website called how long to beat tells you how long games, you know, have taken for members of that community to beat. Don't know if you guys have heard of it. You should definitely check it out. Um, <laughs> has that around about sort of the 14 to 20 hour mark. Uh, from memory, which uh, you guys all know me. I like a, a, a shorter, somewhat more streamlined RPG, and this sure looks like it. Um, so, yeah, so far me likey a lot, and uh, we'll see how it holds up. Um, last game, and one that gives me another opportunity to sort of dunk on like no other a bit more because it, it sort of shows how that can be done better. Uh, welcome to Elk. So this is a... Um, sort of adventure sort of point and click narrative -y game um based on real life experiences of people sort of living in scandinavia as i understand it and what they've done is they've taken a load of sort of little anecdotes and stories from like people who lived in little sort of small island towns and stuff and made a narrative and a game out of them by taking those core stories a degree of artistic license putting it all together um and the game i haven't got far enough to see any of them yet but the game includes sort of video recordings of the original people telling their stories um, in their native language with subtitles translating it through. Um, I think it's a, a really cool concept, which is why I jumped on it and why I'm giving it a go. Um, a really interesting development of the idea of um, knowledge passed down orally. Hmm. So I like the idea there. Um, unlike Like No Other, it highlights the bits that you can interact with. Uh, and when you press a button next to something that's not interactable, the character does, doesn't just sort of shrug his shoulders and go, uh, which literally happened probably more than half of my playthrough on Like No Other was me trying to interact with things and it going, uh, uh. and it's so smug about it as well. And it just does a silly run in Welcome to Elk. Anything you can interact with is colorized. Um, and it's a stylistic choice. The rest of the scenery is like, um, an uncolored in sort of coloring book sort of thing works really well. Very cool. Um, again, very, very early days, but I like the vibe. I like the sort of a little bit more laid back, just, you know, come and vibe and sort of see what we've got to share kind of experience of it. Um, I think it's a pretty cool setup. Um, I'm very excited to play more. That's probably the shortest of the completions on my list. So I expect if nothing else, that's probably what I'll have finished before we discuss these games next. Hmm. Um, yeah, one other thing with Light No Other, just gone on the, on the topic of the, the noises. Uh, this game boasts about having voice acting. I don't know why, because <laughs> half the voice acting is various grunts or um, inversions on. This is useless to me. So cool. Why did, why did you voice that? Like, if you want to be in a... <laughs> if you want to do that, have something interesting to tell me. Have some funny one like... I hated like no other. I don't know if that's coming across. I don't know if I'm doing a good job of explaining that. I really utterly disliked almost everything about that game. Clearly. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm releasing it. I'm letting it go so that we can focus 
on a hundred episodes of the How Long to Speak podcast. Holy! Did either shit. of you think when we started this in what was it October twenty twenty? October twenty twenty. Yeah, it was yeah. pandemic list, time. Yeah. yeah, just after the eat out to help out window for any of my fellow Brits. Um, yeah, I. It's been like two and a half years, more than a hundred recordings because we've done lots of new game plus, but a hundred episodes. I, first of all, well done us, because this, I mean, this doesn't happen by accident. Like, <laughs> it, it's Alex and Paula messaging me because I've fallen asleep. It's us hassling <laughs> each other for edits. It's like the mother of all efforts to coordinate ourselves and guests and others. Like, it's been wonderful and I've enjoyed every minute. And it's fun to just talk about what we've been playing and, you know, put voices of the community uh, to ourselves and to others. But it, there is a degree of work to it. And I, I think yeah credit to us for sticking with it for two and a half years first of all um yeah yeah i mean like first thing i want to i want to ask is what your guys favorite memories are um of this because i've got a particular one in mind yeah i think most of like um most of my favorite memories are in general like and i guess it makes sense it's 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 a lot of like the sort of special things we've got to do um like i think one of the most surprising moments for me was having keith on because i had no idea what that was gonna be like and that just like he just like reached out and then it ended up being like this really fun conversation which i think even he was surprised by because he was like i'm gonna stick around i guess because you know what i mean like he doesn't know what to expect when he comes in like what are we gonna talk about Mm. he's like oh we're just talking about everything okay you know like (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and like because like because it started with it being like you guys played my game <laughs> you know what i mean like because like especially this day and age right it's like one of those things where it's like i don't know people were still playing that like you know he's got like a google for it it was like holy shit you played it okay <laughs> um so like and like doing the multiverse stuff like that i thought that was really fun like getting to like have like i, I just think that was like a really unique experience to get to like what did you get to do like a post-mortem on their game with them like, I thought that was a really neat, because I, I also don't think a lot of people get the chance to do that. Like, even developer-wise, you know what I mean? Like, I, I get the sense that a lot of developers, they might talk about their games a little bit with each other, but, like, having, like, obviously Palo is not necessarily impartial, but, like, I think Rick and I, at least, too, like, we're pretty impartial on it, right? So, like, for us, it's a chance to just kind of come through and, like, ask them, like, why'd you do this? What was this? What's going on there? And then, like, it... it I enjoyed getting the sort of background behind things of like how much they had like tested this or tested that or done this or done that. Right. And so like, we always assume that when, when we play games, when we talk about games, like it's like, Oh, I'm sure developers, blah, blah, blah. but then having them to be able to just be like, no, this is literally what we did. And like, this is why, and here were the struggles we went through on this and here is that. And so it, I, I felt like it was like a nice, um, it was a long as hell, but super fun at least on my end. And um, while it was so fresh as well, I think it, it in the week after it's come out, they're still processing the reviews. I mean, I, I remember mm. uh, the Escapist one had sort of cut deep, but then by contrast, there was one that they they could see because someone had written about it that they connected. Yeah, everything that they wanted to say, someone had connected with that, and I suppose to get to dig into all that fresh. You're right; not a lot of people get to do that on either side of the fence. So. That was super cool. Um, what about you, Paula? I'm trying to think because I wasn't expecting this question right now. But <laughs> I have to say, whenever we have uh, someone from the community or like yeah. any developer like Cecilia Richards or Keith or, again, a random visitor, 
um, I think having someone else besides her, besides just three, just us three, sorry, I can't have English, I'm kind of sleepy, um, <laughs> takes things up. And some, sometimes, like one of my favorite recordings has to be the Cecilia Richards one because we had to try like so many funny. times, but yet, yeah, yet uh, we pulled through. And I think like the, the fact that we failed, I think, two recordings and made things like a lot more like, um, it made the space for the for us to be like I guess more friendly or like talk jo jokingly about the developed recordings and then like have a more um like a less tense conversation I guess, which yeah. I I really like and I think this will appreciate it in a in a way too. That episode for sure was like the best and worst experience doing this <laughs> yes. podcast simultaneously yeah. <laughs> because I, I was ready to tear my hair out. But then you're right. By the time we got to the end of it, like it was such a unique experience and we built some rapport over that. But also more importantly, like I, I suppose going back to sort of what we said about Vicenta, having read that review that like someone got it all. It was interesting sort of feeling like we were on the other side and she's like, you guys get it. And it was nice to connect with a creator whose games have touched certainly me and, and you guys as well, mm -hmm. um, and and be able to sort of talk around them and about them and, and bring things up that maybe they hadn't thought of. Um, I I think what we probably take for granted is how much fun the stuff around that has been because like yeah the yeah. the guest episodes have been great but like I don't know about you guys I feel like I formed genuine friendships doing yes. this for two and a half years <laughs> like. Yeah, I missed you guys last few weeks. <laughs> we were on vacation. <laughs> exactly. we, <had> <laughs> we do cute little secret Santas. We have little yeah. in jokes. Like it's been a lot of fun. It's nice to invite the community into that um, as well, and you know, see people messages back on Discord about things that have come up on the podcast, and um, also you know, bring people's attention to other games. I think it, it's nice to hmm. it's nice to share things that you like, right? Like that. Yeah. That's just a normal. Yeah. human thing like something was good you want other people to experience it as well like you know certified best game ever 13 sentinels Igis rim <laughs> which besides the meme is a really really excellent game yes and just don't really play it in the heat wave <laughs> it's on switch now no excuse exactly play in the comfort of your own fridge um yes <laughs> play it in the bath just keep it over the side of the bath don't kill yourself <laughs> um, uh, one, like, I know for a fact that four or five people who might never have come across that game tried it because I kept banging that drum. Yeah. But also, like, I got the experience of having been that game sort of champion within the little community. Three or four people playing it, including the two of you, and getting to relive that game through them living that mystery for the first time. Um, and there's something so um, raw and natural about, about that process. Um, and I think, you know, that it's things like that that probably stick the most to me, whether it's with a developer, whether it's with a community member. This has been a platform out of probably one of the most isolating experiences of anyone's lives who's lived through this period um, to have built some different connections and, and done it that way um, and, and had a real sort of positive come out of it. I think that's been wonderful um, for me. I agree. And I mean, it's very like we're just sort of, we're community led, right? Like that's the whole thing on this. Like it's just we're just three folks <laughs> just doing this for kind of for fun, right? And so wait, we're we're not angling for a 
a Patreon and like a sponsorship deal and merch. And... I know, right? It's black. We need to have a talk about this. <laughs> I think we're, yeah. <laughs> but I think it's that's part we're of the fun, there, right? It's like, yeah, like we have this small, like, like I, I don't know. It's not that small. Like, I mean, we we have, when we look at our weekly sort of listens, it's, it's, it's around the 100 area with like all the kind of platforms come through, which is really lovely, you know? And there's a core group who like listen and, and again, with a podcast, the nice thing with our podcast too is you kind of jump in anywhere you want, right? Like it's not like you have to listen every single week. I mean, it's great if you do. Thank you. <laughs> um, but like you can come and go as you please. And like, I think what has been fun is like in a lot of ways too, something that I like about the podcast is that I feel like we can, um, like with the events that are going on, like, you know, we've been trying to pull in game of the month. Oh, which by the way, since I don't think we, did we talk about the game of the month this month? Cause no, I don't think that's we had, ironic. we didn't oh, have a, that's beautiful. Yeah. Cause we didn't have a recording. <laughs> um, we haven't had a recording for a while from this month, but Hey, this is coming out in January. So it's live alive, which both Rick and I absolutely loved and played. So mm-hmm. everybody get on that game. Cause it's good shit. Yes. Um, but like adding this stuff in, like the Itchmas stuff, which you know, hint, hint, Itchmas and, and Fantasy Critic League will probably have maybe something. Watch this space. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but like getting to do things like that with like like community initiatives where we can just kind of like bring people in, give them a chance to talk about it, and like add a little, just a little bit of support to that is like really fun, you know. Um, and like this was birthed out of at least for me, like coming into the podcast, it was like I was doing the blog stuff. Um, which was like super fun. And I sort of fell off that obviously because now I talk about it every week. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah. uh, also that was never going to be sustainable because, you know, that was during the pandemic when I had a lot of time to write. <laughs> mm. um, and actually that maybe is the craziest thing is that like this has maintained itself out of the pandemic. Because like, listen, I'm busy as fuck right now. We all are. But somehow yeah. we've managed to like maintain and like hold in. Now I will admit like community apologies. We, we haven't had as many guests and that's, Mostly, I think, because we have become so busy that organizing outside people is challenging as hell. <laughs> because we already schedule around three continents. Yes. Three different time zones. <laughs> I know, three yeah. continents and three time zones that are nowhere near each other. Like, they're <laughs> very separate. <laughs> <laughs> I guess Paula and I are sort of close-ish in terms of our time uh, difference, but it's still a fairly significant time difference. Um, and yeah, yet it still works. And our guests yeah. are always at different time zones. I find like maybe once we've had someone at the same time zone, which I think, or twice, I guess. I guess the guys from Chile, obviously. <laughs> and then um, when we had now from lighting, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, and I mean the fact that we've had like Everdread and Tiamat and like Abiyatage and Dude, like all these, like just like we've had so many people from the community on, um, and it feels sort of fun for us because we get to see them all, and it's like, oh, we meet them. Uh, though we still didn't mm. get to see Everdread yet. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> Not yet. That's still on the list. We spoke with him, though, and it was really fun to get to talk with him and see kind of how it goes. And and the fact that, you know, even with, like, you know, Ziff Davis, you know, kind of buying through How Long to Beat, they're just like, you guys do your thing. Like, we're like, we're all good, man. Have fun. And, like, I think that's pretty cool, too, that they've just sort of been like, yeah, go to town. We don't care. Have a good time. Yeah. And, again, I think that's probably because we're not some kind of massive, um, huge podcast that – would probably at that point get there you go um but i also think though that's part of the i would hope i don't know listeners you can tell us i think part of the appeal of our podcast is that we're kind of a little bit smaller and we talk about stuff that's not necessarily like the hit game this week which i think also gives the podcast a little more lasting potential because we're just talking about the games we're playing which i think 
we all kind of span a really huge kind of gamut of games in general. Um, For sure. And I feel like I've played so many different games than I would have just through this podcast and, and through being exposed to games that you're both playing. And it's just kind of an opportunity to, I don't know, I don't know about you guys, but I don't have that many people in my life who play games a lot um, uh, that I can like even just sort of chat about it with. I know, Paolo, maybe you're a little different because your partner plays a bunch of games too. So, <laughs> and you're kind of in game development. <laughs> yeah, like in real life, I don't think like I have a lot of people to talk about games besides my boyfriend, maybe Aaron, but Aaron's more like... Uh, I guess uh, manga and anime enthusiasts rather than a video game enthusiast. That's true, yeah. So on that side, I'm kind of like out of luck. I I am involved in several communities like the uh, Ochoa community over on Twitter, but that is not in real life. Uh, but still, it's a lot of fun. Uh, but yeah, I don't think I would ever like play things like. I mean, 13 Sentinels was on my radar, but I don't think I would have played it, like, as soon as I did, mm. if not for the podcast. Um, I would probably be still, like, prioritizing, like, all the Otomans and only be playing Otome for the rest of my life if, if it wasn't for the podcast, to be honest, because <laughs> let's uh, get real. Those Otomans are, like, getting released at a incredible speed and i literally cannot keep up mm -hmm. and even though i cannot keep up i'm still having a lot of fun with games that i probably wouldn't even like known about if not for the podcast like ghost trick 13 sentinels or like the yeah. rust lake uh games of which God, by the way in the coming weeks we'll see more of those um, I kind of forgot that you didn't know about Ghost Tricks. That was such a you game. That was such a neither of us did <laughs> discovery. Yeah, mental. Actually, yeah, that is kind yeah, of wild. Um, yeah, and because of you, also a group of friends are now playing Ghost Trick because I recommended it to them. So mm -hmm. uh, the the chain continues. So. Wagwan. See, it just keeps going, and yeah. it's oh yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Mm -hmm. Oh, go ahead. I oh, I, oh, okay. All I was going to say is just like, I think it's neat too that the podcast, we hit on a format pretty quickly and it just kind of stuck. Like, and even when you look at like the old agendas, it's like second or third episode, we basically had it down. We did end up cutting out like guest uh, questions because we realized in the end that like, we have too many episodes. There's not that many questions to ask. <laughs> like, you know and I mean? not enough time in which to ask them. Like, yeah. we started this and we were like, we want a tight 90 and consistently it's two hour episodes. Yeah, I mean, we, we hit between, yeah. it's usually an hour 30 to two hours. Like, that's basically yeah. our time range. Um, but I think these days we're more at the like 145, 150. That's like the most common. Like, like this episode's probably going to hit like 150. Um, actually, it may be less. Sure. We'll see. We're almost we're nearing it. But uh, um, yeah, and, and what's ended up happening is that some guest questions have just turned into topics, right? Like it's just shit that we talk about now, um, which I don't know, I think is really fun. And like the new game plus stuff has been really fun. And, and hell, we did a fucking playthrough of a game, right? Which would be fun to do more of those, but it's tough to get the time done. Of course, we did Shredder's Revenge together, yeah. didn't we? But I also know yeah. how to record better now. We need more so. playthroughs. <laughs> yeah. We do need to do more of those little things. I mean, there's got to be more little. To be fair, Dungeons and Mistara, mm -hmm. I feel like is on your wish list, Alex. I don't know. Well, if you I it. had it on there because I think we had talked about playing that at some point. Um, 
I mean, whatever. There's tons of shit we could do. We have so many Game Pass games we could play. <laughs> we all have it now. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> we do. The The worst thing is, like, I'm probably going to end up keeping it. I'm going to be, like... <sighs> I knew it! <laughs> I knew it! But you know what? I don't even I don't even want to razz you on this because it's a good thing. It, like, it's fun. It's a good time. Um, it's... I... I'm telling myself that it's to play indies that I wouldn't have otherwise bought just in the launch window. But that's honestly Let them get that cut from Daddy Microsoft and then like crack on as I normally do. Yeah. I, I, I won't go into specifics, but basically I've got a setup where probably come later this year, I can get it for about five pounds a month, like the ultimate setup. Then you need it. So I, I feel like at that price, it's hard not to. Yeah. Well, and I'm in that that's same boat, right? Like people got it for me to me as gifts and so i'm i'm good and think until next year or something like that i don't know i don't have to pay for it for a while so yeah do you know what i mean that's what i do with it and like i honestly i play at least one game a month like i i definitely make it back in terms of like money like i've played so much game pass games it's just it's, it's make good. it make sense yeah for sure yeah for sure. yeah um anyway yeah i don't know i think that's kind of i, I do you have anything else for reflections on the pod where we think we're going uh, next i don't know <laughs> I suppose one thing to throw out, because it feels wrong not to, obviously, this is the second iteration of the podcast. Yeah. Uh, this is off the back of like the first effort, which I was also involved in. But I think you know it's, it's worth sort of recognizing Kerf Murph, whose idea this originally mm -hmm. was, um, and Ultimate Zombie Toast. Neither of them particularly active in the community anymore, but mm -hmm. both like absolutely important to this. One, hitting the ground as quickly as it did, because I think we did learn very quickly what did and didn't work from that. Yeah. Um, particularly being able to rotate editing because that mm -hmm. editing was one of the problems we had the first time around and us all being able to do it and like um, share that responsibility has been a massive help. Yeah. Um, but also, you know, we were able to see um, what did work and, and iterate. And I think it's worth recognizing that that, that was something that was really useful to us. Um, but yeah, long may this continue, I suppose. I, I don't know. I've got anything else to add. I think I, I gushed a little bit at the appropriate moment and yeah, I don't we're, know. We're back, we're back to where we're at. Yeah, we, we've just, we've been consistent, you know? I mean, we've had so many episodes at this point that it's just like, we've got it. I mean, the, I think what we did, even actually just right now, we gave ourselves a bit of a break. So we were like, the people probably know, we, we hadn't missed a week until like last week. And I think we realized like, it's okay. It's okay to have a holiday week. <laughs> you know, we're a volunteer. That, that, and also I was like dead to the world for like a week and a half. I don't think I responded to messages from like the 27th until maybe two days ago yeah, at the time of recording. That's fine. Like it's vacation. You know what I mean? Like it's one of those things where I'm just like, you know, we're a, we're a volunteer podcast. We should take some time off. I literally take off time for work. But again, I think it's because we like this so much. But like, this is one of those things. And especially as life's starting to get a little bit busier for us, th th there might be weeks here or there like on, on big sort of holiday weeks. Cause we sort of, we mostly match up obviously our summer and winter breaks don't quite match up because you clearly have different ones. <laughs> um, <laughs> Southern versus Northern hemisphere. Right. But uh, I don't know. I think like in general, we've been very good on being consistent with that. So anyway, too many more episodes. <laughs> too many more episodes. Many more and episodes. you know, what, the next what were your favorite most exciting, surprising, interesting yeah. aspects of the past two and a half years. Let us know in the comment section down below the like button. Mm -hmm. Right, should we, uh, should we jump on to... How long, How long to, to beat, beat the, the game? game? Nice. 
Hello, where were you? Twice now. God. We never. <laughs> I know. We never do it together. I'm But it is, I believe, your, your week to host. Absolutely. Yes. So what, what are me and Alex guessing? So the current standings is Rick at 11, me at 7, and Paul at 4. And I think this is, we're in the second round of this, basically, right? Yes. I mean, we... I don't think Palace started Citizen Sleeper. I know you you aren't far in. I'm not far in. We've probably got time for a third set of game weeks. Probably, yeah. It depends because we've got other things on the horizon, so that may throw timing, but we'll yeah. see. Yes. So what, what game what game are, are we getting the, the time that it takes to complete? Uh-huh. Okay, let me check. And all types of completions. <laughs> and also bonus questions at the dealer's discretion. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, trying to line into something interesting that I have played or like not in recent memory. Nice. I also have to say I like. Um... Okay. Oh, go ahead, Paula. I got it. Uh, Tales of Vesperia. Oh, I love that game. I have never played it. That's a good game. Is that the one where? Um... Is the black hair? Oh, one? I've never, I've never played it. But I feel like a couple of the characters from it are in um, Project Cross Zone. I I would I can understand that. Yeah. Is that the one where the it's got the tails of character with like the really long black hair? Yeah. No, they want and the princess in like the white outfit that looks like an oh, upside yeah, down yeah, flower. Sorry. Um, is this uh is this um <laughs> is this the oh, like sorry. definitive edition or the normal? Ed- Does it are they different? I don't know. This this says on the um. On the how long to wait side, it's the uh, Xbox 360 version, I think. Okay, that would be, like, not, oh, be the original then. In that case, the I don't, original, I don't yeah. think the definitive actually added anything. I think it just like redid some graphical stuff. Um, okay, I've got my times in. What's our bonus thing? Uh, let me check real quick. I never. I don't think I ever finished this. I very rarely finish Tales games. Like I finished Tales of Symphonia, and I finished the new Tales game, which actually was really fun. I liked that one a lot. Um, what was that one called? Tales of Arise. Yeah, that was a good game. I'm looking forward to eventually, maybe one day, getting around to playing Arise. Okay, yeah. let's go with this. How many people has rated this game as a ten out of ten? Oh, Ooh. that's interesting. How many have rated it a ten out of ten? I know it was a good game, but I don't remember it being that good. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. Because in terms of what I remember, like when it comes to like these games in general, I feel like this one was viewed as like decent, but not like the best. So I'm going to go... Yeah. My stuff's all in. I'm all in as well. I'm all in. <laughs> okay, so for main story, Alex has said 45 hours, and on the other corner of the ring, Rick has said 50 hours. Oh. The closest to the correct answer is Rick, as the game in main story is 51 hours long. Oh, wow, it's 51 okay. hours. Okay, damn. For the main plus size 
main plus extras, however you want to call it. <laughs> Alex has said 65 hours, and Rick has said 75 hours. This might be a clean sweep for Rick as he has once again wow. nailed it since main plus extras is 73 hours. Jesus Ooh. Christ. Wow, you're close. Okay. I didn't think it was that long. <laughs> for 100%, Alex has said 125 hours and Rick has said 110 hours. I reckon I'm Both of you are very far behind. Like oh. the actual time, because the actual time is 170 hours. Oh, okay. Well, nevertheless, Alex gets a point. I really <laughs> didn't think it was that long. That's <laughs> fucked. <laughs> oh, wow. That's yeah, I, I knew they were long, but I didn't think the 100% time would be quite that bad. Yeah, that's absurdly long. Um, mm. For the final can... couple of points, the bonus round, Alex has said that 33 people has rated on how long to eat. Um, <laughs> The game as a 10 out of 10. Mm-hmm. Well, Rick says 60 people has rated this game as a 10 out of 10. Rick is almost right on the money as the Seriously? amount of people has, that has rated the game as a 10 out of 10 on the for, on the How Long To It side is 57. Oh, I thought I'd undershot. My thinking was it's a 360 game. They didn't have many JRPGs. Yeah, but well, like, it's not a it's not a ten out of ten game. Like, I'm sorry, I, I've never played it. I don't know. Not a but game. Like, good, I figured but it'd be a, a biggish number. I'm just gonna say that the amount of people that has played the game on Xbox 360 or has stated it as such is 261 people. Mm. I think. Yeah. Crikey. And I mean, obviously, oh, hang so on. Versus, there's still like a lot of love for the game. It's worth saying versus 24 on PS3. Yeah, wow. Yeah. That's it was a 360 heavy audience, which is based on the fact that the picture Palace said had 360. That was the rationale. Well, I remember um, this I would... game getting a strong push on 360 as well, like marketing wise. Um... They would have because it's like we finally have a JRPG. Sick. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the re-release is completely the other way. There's like 31 on Xbox One, 7 on Series SX, and then like 250-odd on Switch, 150-odd each on PC and PS4. Hmm. Like, it it will have, like you say, if it got a big push on Xbox 360, that probably is just at the core of it. Hmm. Yeah, I think at this point, like... um, Because now, Rick, you just had a clean sweep, basically. Uh, Well, you missed one. But at this point, it's not really possible for either of us to to catch up, um, even if we do three rounds. So probably next week would be just who gets second place, and then we can restart. <laughs> oh, crikey, yeah, it is a bit of a gap. Shit. It's a big gap. We can't, you just can't get back from that, right? Like, it's 15, 8, 4. Like, if I, if I had a clean sweep next week, which I probably won't, um, I'd be at 13. That's the spirit. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know. It's not that, I feel like it's slightly rare for us to get clean sweeps. Um, yeah, it's unusual. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Even if you get four one, it'll be at twelve. Like it's not insurmountable. Potentially. Yeah, but we'll see it's... how we go next time. Yeah, we'll see how we but go. But it, it's time. insurmountable for Paolo, which that's not as fun, right? If it's just the two of us competing. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I'll take the point. It's okay, but maybe Paolo, maybe you'll clean sweep next week, and then you'll take second place. That would maybe. make it interesting. It's not impossible. It's happened to me before. I remember once I had a lead and then you cleaned, <laughs> came in and grabbed the second. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, anything can happen in how long to be 
well, almost mm-hmm. anything. Many things can happen in how long to beat the game. <laughs> That's what makes it so magical. Exactly. Well, fuck, there we go. That's another 100 episodes in the bag. Well, that is 100 episodes in the bag. Get ready for some special episodes this month, and uh, we'll see you next time. Mm. Peace. Bye.